don't know about you, but I'm glad that God is alive. I'm glad that God is speaking to us today. And I really hope that wherever you are in this journey, that after last Sunday, that you maybe spent a little bit more time with some unscripted availability to let the Holy Spirit speak. We've heard many times over the way that Jesus described the Holy Spirit as a guide. I remember um, it was late winter and um, I was preteen, I think 12, 13, and my mom was uh, driving me. We were um, headed down busy street in our neighborhood and Portland gets a sheet of ice on stuff um, more frequently than snow. This, the conditions are just right, the, the, just a blanket of moisture, and then the temperatures drop. I mean, you literally can wake up and there'd be this much ice on everything. And it was an, it was an early evening, you know, those, those winter days where it gets dark really early. Um, and it was a sheet of ice on everything. We were going down, there's, you know, two lanes on either side, a turn lane in the middle. And uh, we were coming to um, a, uh, a favorite... Um, breakfast place, we were passing it, um, and there was a city bus on our right, and as we're going this way, all of a sudden, this big um, pickup truck tries to fly in front of the bus, and we're in a, a major car accident. Uh, my family um, had this uh, 70s silver Honda hatchback Honda Civic was totaled instantly. And, you know, if you've ever been in an accident like that, you know, you're, you're in shock. You're really not sure what's going on. And then, you know, of course, my mom's, you know, first instinct is to make sure that I'm okay. And the other driver decides to <clears throat> get out of his truck and start to yell at my mom. And uh, my instinct kicked in, and I, I, I come flying out of the car to uh, physically attack this person, and I, I was stopped. I didn't, didn't get there, but the bus driver had stopped. He, he had obviously witnessed everything, and, and he, he stepped in and intervened and called the police, and my mom and I became neck brace twins. And... Um, If you've ever had a life experience that, that changes your life and, and puts you in a place, in this case an injury, that you don't have the answer for, you, do, you don't have the fix, what most of us do, even though most of us think that we're right all the time, most of us turn to someone for help. And we... Uh, you know, after the x-rays being checked out and every, everything, you know, end up with a chiropractor and, but really having no, no real help. And so we both uh, lived with pain and um, the chiropractic 
treatment, uh, hypermobility, um, had pretty serious hypermobility. And years go by, and there's multiple things going on in life, and I find a physical therapist, uh, a believer, um, a really sharp uh, practitioner, physical therapist who gives me guidance, who, who, who became a guide in this journey for me, who, who said, listen, if you do this this way, it'll be helpful. And if you do that that way, it'll be harmful. And it was effective. It, it worked. And it literally became a part of my journey to health. Have you ever had a guide, somebody who, who helped you? Somebody who you turned to, who you were open to for influence. And that's a part of what we have been reading about, what we've been hearing about. And last week, as we just talked about the very simple one-liner, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Clearly, the followers of Jesus had taken his word literally. And what I want to do today is the verses that we looked at last week, I want to unpack them a little bit more in their context because... Uh, a month and a half ago, when God really directed Rebecca and I in this uh, message series, a couple weeks on the Bible and, and a few weeks on, on the Spirit-led life, there was an aspect of this that I did not have in my mind when we went into it. And as I set out and spent weeks studying the Holy Spirit, studying the Spirit-led life, I was surprised by something, and that is that a lot of the one-liners, the most memorable verses, are set in a context about a changed life. The context is so important, and it's really easy, especially when we're in pain and when we're tired, to not have the patience for the desire to understand context. Context helps us look at, like, okay, who's talking? What's happening? What's being communicated? What's the main point? And we can suffer needlessly in this life if we don't dig deep into the Scripture, develop some biblical literacy, get a sense of the context of what's happening. And there were people who lived in Rome who had a lot of the same challenges that we have. And God inspires the Apostle Paul to write to them about life. And he he writes about the reality that, hey, we all make mistakes. We all find ourselves in a state of a broken relationship between us and God. We all need redemption. And God in his great love showed us love when we were still sinners, when we were still in a lifestyle of mistakes, God showed us love. And then in our attempt to respond to it and to walk it out, he writes in chapter 7, I find myself not doing the things I think I should do and doing the things I know I shouldn't do. And then the turning point in the letter, chapter 8 and verse 1, a powerful verse, that God changed my life. There is now, therefore, No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And chapter 8 has a lot of verses that I hear a lot of Christians quote. And yet we might miss the full context. And the context of chapter 8, which is encouraging and uplifting and life-giving, the context of the conversation is actually about life change. It's about this relationship with the Holy Spirit as our guide that produces a change in us. So let's, let's go to that. I want to start in uh, verse chapter 5. 
And the questions I want us to just be looking at today to try to get a higher resolution view of the Spirit-led life is how do we follow the Spirit? What are the results of following the Holy Spirit? What will it look like? Okay, Romans 8, 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature. Wow, Holy Spirit has inspired Paul to write in some strong words. Remarkable. You could say dramatic. And I want you to note there's a contrast that's put. We've tried to talk in terms of describe your journey with Jesus is before Jesus I was, now with Jesus I am. Watch these strong, dramatic words. I didn't write this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. We looked at that please the Spirit last week and just talking about the relationship. They desire to please the Spirit. They think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those that do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. He's saying there's some people that are involved in the human organization but not yet have been truly born again and had a transformative interaction finding Jesus to be Savior and King. And when Jesus is Savior and King, here's what happens. Watch this now. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. This is all built on the foundation of the good news of Jesus. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Wow! This is amazing. God is doing something at work in you that you can't do on your own. And what is that? Giving you the strength, the motivation, the desire, the ability to follow God. How do we do this? We heard a little bit from Ephesians earlier. You hear me quote this verse all the time. Let the Spirit renew your thinking and feeling. Let the Holy Spirit give you new thoughts, new feelings. Let the Holy Spirit shape, mold, renew, refresh, restore, initiate new the way that you think and the way that you feel. Make a decision to let the Holy Spirit do this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we, we looked at this. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He's identified you as His own, guaranteeing you will be saved on the day of redemption. Now remember, we talked about salvation grammar in the New Testament is you have been saved, you are now being saved, and you will yet be saved, meaning that when Christ returns, it will all be finished. No more pain, suffering, no more struggle with sin or our enemy, right? Now, how do we follow the Holy Spirit? How do we know that we're being led by the Holy Spirit? What will we look, what will look, if we don't get a higher resolution view of this, we're, 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 we're designed to struggle 
needlessly. We willingly submit to the shaping influence of the Holy Spirit on our thoughts and attitudes. Well, that's one thing. We can't go to the Scripture and not see that that's a part of it. And this is a part of my daily prayer time. God, please, help me see what you see. Help me hear what you want me to hear. Help me hear you. Please make new my thinking and my feeling. A lot of us want things to be different. We want to do different, but you can't do different until you think and feel different. And you can't get to that place on your own. We willingly submit to the shaping influence of the Holy Spirit, and we now, as a result, we now desire to please and not grieve the Holy Spirit. There's a heart change. There's a life change, and there's this loving relationship with God. There's a sensitivity. There's new desires that you didn't put in yourself. God put in you. Some of us, like my beautiful wife, seem to be innately rule followers. Some of us are innately rule breakers. That's me. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is receiving Jesus and there being a, whoa, there's a change. There's a spiritual change that develops. We choose to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our actions and how we live. These verses, a lot of times, talk in terms of lifestyle. Lifestyle. But remember, the basic idea, we've had... The clay, the lump of clay on the potter's wheel. It's this decision. I'm I'm reminded of Jesus saying, abide in me, remain in me, stay on the potter's wheel, open yourself up to the shaping influence. The God who gave you life is the one who knows best how you will be the most fulfilled. I'm going to stay on the potter's wheel. I'm going to say, Lord, you shape me how you want me to be because that's how, listen, that's where you're going to be the happiest. And also what happens in life sometimes, like you see the picture on the screen, with your car, you get into an accident, sometimes you hit a speed bump in life too hard, too fast, you catch a little air, and what happens? Your car's out of alignment. And so sometimes it it wasn't actually you, there were other forces, but you get out of alignment and you're not moving in the direction of God. And what happens is a lot of times it's very, very subtle. And so we, we need this daily interaction with the Lord that is saying, God, will you bring me into alignment? Now I want to go back to this passage to try to unpack What I was talking about in life change, the context of life change from where we get the verse, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Again, watch strong dramatic language and the technique, the literary technique of contrast. Okay, there's contrast. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. The two forces are constantly fighting each other. Listen, he's not writing to people who are in rebellion. He's writing to believers like you and me. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit... You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. And that, in fact, the Greek word in the New Testament uses some very specific words around sexual sin. 
And there's multiple ones, but one of them in particular is a catch-all word that refers to anything outside of God's design for a husband and a wife. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, narcissism, right? Dissension. Division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces, watch the contrast now, and it's not you produce, it's the Holy Spirit produces. Our role is to be constantly in contact with the Holy Spirit saying, Holy Spirit, you shape me. And then the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You've heard quoted many times the fruit of the Spirit. But what is the context? The context is the contrast from the list we just read earlier. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, agape love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Please hear me today. There's been seasons of my life where people would not have used one of those words to describe me. But the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit produce? There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Whoa, that's some dramatic stuff. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every area of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Listen, folks, this is where Jesus' followers, who took it seriously, who didn't go into it with prejudice and preconceived notions, and really just locked into Jesus and listened to his words, they came away with this belief. And we quoted it last week from the Lausanne Covenant of believers, 150 nations, not a white male perspective, but believers in Jesus from around the world, men and women together, agreed to this. The Holy Spirit is given to all who come to Christ. And the Spirit sets us free from self-centeredness to live for God and for others. And this is where we looked at last week for 1 Corinthians. It's about this close, personal relationship with God. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Now, here's the thing that when God directed me into this study at the start of the study that I did not think was a part of it. Sex. If a good journalist took time to investigate the spirit-led life in the New Testament, they just went into it with no, no pre- preconceived notions, went as neutral as they could, and they were just investigating it purely as a rational, intellectual concept. What is this spirit-led life? What does it look like? They would come out of it and write about a relationship with God that includes loving devotion, sensitivity, faithfulness, and a unique approach to sex. The context of several of these well-known verses 
are about following the Holy Spirit's leadership in life change, repenting of and walking away from selfish acts, particularly selfish sins. Now, we need to understand something. I know as soon as I say this word, and do you often hear me refer to this? No, you do not. Because when we come here, we focus on the Scripture and what the Scripture is really focused on. The people that first heard these words in Rome, in Corinth, in Galatia, and Ephesus, these cities had blended different cultures into a majority culture that had a much higher value on do what feels good than even we do now. They had a much higher value on your sexual activity is the most important thing about your life than we even do now, which is a lie from the enemy. That sex is the most important thing about you. These folks had sexual practices were normal in their day at a level that is way beyond what we see here and now today. There's nothing new under the sun. But when Jesus came and said, I come to give you life, abundant life, and there is an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when Jesus came and, and said, okay, you've heard don't sleep with people who you're not married to, but I say if you look at somebody else with lust in your heart, you've already committed the act. And it would be better for you to lose a part of your body than go to hell. Jesus said that. When Jesus said that, it was more revolutionary than it is today. And it is revolutionary today. The average person in their culture would have said, you are crazy. And they did. The Jesus followers' approach to their sexual identity and lifestyle of devotion was even more of an alien world departure from the accepted practices of that day than it is today. A lifelong commitment, a covenant to one other person, including sexual faithfulness, was a revolution in this first century. If you read about it from atheists, purely in a historical context, you will get these Jesus followers were different than anyone else. They were different than people who didn't believe in a God, and they were different than people who had all other kinds of spiritual things. So let's summarize some of what God says. The God who gives us life, identity, value, and purpose has the right to direct us in how we should live. God has given us our sexual capacity for purpose and pleasure. God has given us our sexual capacity for his purpose and our pleasure. God has not given us sexual capacity as something to be worshipped or something to cause pain, or something to bring shame. That is not God's design. Sex is a gift. It's not a God or gross. Marriage is a gift. Singleness is a gift. The use of one of God's gifts for something other than what God intended, the Bible calls a perversion, and that word means a twisting. Okay, everybody breathe. Just for a second, breathe. Most of us are probably not aware that right now the Orioles are playing really entertaining baseball. A lot of us probably have heard about a Stradivarius violin. Violins of immense 
value because of their craftsmanship. If one of the Orioles stood at the plate today with a violin in his hands instead of a baseball bat, he might accomplish something. He might keep himself from getting hit by the ball. He might make some noise. It probably would cause some pain. When we use a gift from God for selfish purposes, it causes pain. It's a mistake. But listen, when we make a mistake, we should confess what's wrong, ask for God's forgiveness, make a fresh commitment to loving devotion. Jesus associated himself with David, who sinned in this way, very seriously. And so if we find ourselves in a state of sin, God is not heaping shame and condemnation on you. He calls you to life change, gives you the ability to make that life change through Jesus. And David's psalm, his song of repentance in Psalm 51, is a great prayer for you to pray when you find yourself in need of that kind of repentance. Because we call God into the picture, God the Holy Spirit who wants to come and bring a shaping influence that is love, that brings peace, that brings joy, that heals the pain, that brings repair where there was brokenness. Ask me how I know. God, the Holy Spirit, can accomplish what you cannot. A miracle of salvation, of forgiveness, of healing. I remember in my journey, standing in church and just quoting that scripture, there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. To stand on the belief of what God said that it was true. If we are married, we've been given the gift of sexual capacity for giving pleasure as a love language with our spouse. In that context, our focus on giving love can glorify God and bring true fulfillment, peace, and joy. It's possible. It's miraculous and it's possible. And if you investigate the spirit-led life in Scripture, you can't get away from sex. It's in there. It's a shocking truth. God cares. God has design. God has miracle love. Okay, Pastor Ben, that was super awkward. We never do that. I could come to the church because we don't do that. It's okay. God loves you. Just trying to focus on the things that God actually said. So how do we follow the Holy Spirit? What does it look like? We willingly submit to the shaping influence of the Holy Spirit on our thoughts and attitudes. I'm not trying to follow a whole bunch of rules. I'm not trying to live my life following a whole bunch of rules so I can earn God's love. No, God has already loved me. But then I choose to submit to the Holy Spirit on my thoughts and my attitudes. I now desire because God's given me the, to please and not grieve the Holy Spirit. We choose to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our actions and how we live in our lifestyle. 
Now here's what we also saw in the Galatians passage. Watch this now. Others recognize we're becoming less selfish and more loving. Love gives, less takes. When I'm turning myself to the Holy Spirit constantly, other people recognize you're getting less selfish, you're getting more of that agape love. The other thing people recognize is what the fruit of the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit produces in you, not your works, what the Holy Spirit produces in you. You are changed. Who you are is different. Others recognize that we're growing in the areas of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the, that's the fruits. It's what happens. That's what we get. Holy Spirit produces it. It's what happens. It's how it works. Watch this now as Romans comes to a close. There's some passages about this that are so encouraging and helpful. Are you ready for some encouragement from God? Okay, good. Thank you. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Who needs help? I do. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us and with us. The Greek there is it's participatory. It's leading and it's participatory. That's why it's a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Look at that beautiful intimacy. It's like a symphony. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. The context of that verse is encouraging hope about your life change that the Holy Spirit gives you the strength for and involves, informs, lifts, activates your prayer life. That's the context of that verse. Not, hey, bad stuff happened, but it's all going to turn out good because I identify with Jesus. That's not the context of that verse. There's an encouragement that has depth that has power, that involves how you really live when you're really all of you. God, the Holy Spirit strengthens you, communicates with God the Father, with Jesus on our behalf. There's a lifting, there's a strengthening. And watch this now, God's in the close of the chapter, which is so powerful. What do we see? God's powerful love sustaining us and bringing about victory. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Oh, Jesus followers, turning to the Holy Spirit for this kind of change, this word is for you. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's powerful love will sustain you and bring about 
victory. Before we turn to the practical, I want to pray. Will you just focus on the Holy Spirit for a moment? God, certainly, we have been affected by mistakes, by sin, by the enemy. Certainly, we have in our various areas of lifestyle and in the area of sex been negatively affected. But God, right now, we confess anywhere that we've been wrong. We make a fresh commitment to turn away from anything that you say is wrong. We ask you for forgiveness, that you would wash away the sin, that you would make us right with you because of Jesus. We ask God that you would bring healing to our whole person. New life, strength, restoration, and change. We ask God for that new life that comes through you, that you would make new our thinking and our feeling. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a a few closing thoughts in the next five minutes. What do we learn? Well, listening to the Holy Spirit is the best approach to life. It's the best. How many days of my life have I not given the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak to me? Oh, man. For me, many. The amazing Timothy Keller just passed away, and I will never forget. Uh, I'm sorry if you, that's news to you. Um, the, he is in heaven now after a long struggle. Um, and he, he wrote so much that shaped me, but I will never forget being in person with him, with some of the pastors who will be with us together Pentecost Sunday um, in New York City in a room where he talked about the danger of prayerlessness. Not being in conversation with God is deadly. He confessed his own prayerlessness. He confessed the dialogue between he and his wife about it. He confessed how it impacted their marriage, how it impacted his writing, how it impacted his life. And he talked about the amazing journey in prayer. It resulted in that book that we've, we've given away, I think, to anyone who would take it. Just entitled Prayer. We must, in our prayer, give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak. Listening to the Holy Spirit is the best approach to life. Amen. That was really good. Thank you, Pastor Ben. I'm so glad you said that. That is true. Following the Holy Spirit's leadership is now our priority. I hear so many comments about other things as priorities. Following the Holy Spirit is now our priority. The Holy Spirit shapes our desires. We dig into the New Testament and all the writing, the practical writing about how this works and what happens what we come away with, what we cannot, even an atheist could not escape coming away with is that an interaction with God, the Holy Spirit, will shape our desires. 
God the Holy Spirit gives us strength. When my flesh fails, when my spirit grows weak, God is the strength of my life. God gives us strength. The Holy Spirit guides us in a lifestyle of devotion. Wholehearted, here and now, God, heart and soul, I love you. What is that thing? You know, we finally started watching The Chosen, and, I, and you know, I, I, I'm super cynical about Christian entertainment. That's my problem. But when I, I heard the actor playing Jesus quote the Shema, quote the, you must love the Lord your God with all your, I just started crying. The power of that truth, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so we've learned these things. We've talked about these things. What should we do? Listen, if you are feeling anything negative right now, here is the easiest way for that to change. Willingly submit to the shaping influence of the Holy Spirit on your thinking and your feeling. Holy Spirit starts to work on the inside of you and press all that other stuff out. Submission is the posture to receive blessing. Willingly submit. Holy Spirit, make new the way that I think and the way that I feel. It's your decision. Live with a new desire to please and not grieve the Holy Spirit. If my focus is, God, I love you, I want to make you happy. I don't want to make you sad. If that is a part of what's going on inside your heart, all of this becomes easier. So it's not a focus on external behaviors, manipulation, or control. Number three, confess and forsake sin. Receive forgiveness and commit to loving devotion. We've talked about this at length already. Listen. Jesus didn't give his all for you to relate to God through legalism, trying to make it happen out of your own effort. Jesus gave his all so that you could relate to God through grace. It's given freely to you as a gift you don't deserve. Receive the free gift of grace. Number four, choose to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our actions and how we live. The thinking and the feeling, the thinking and the feeling, the alignment with God, the Holy Spirit, then it starts to move into actions and our lifestyle and how we live. Lastly, could you have predicted this? I think you probably could. Share the journey with others. This is not a solo campaign of pain and shame. Remember that analogy from the video games. This is not a solo campaign of pain and shame. This is a shared journey. All these verses that we are that are in these notes over these weeks are set in the plural to local churches. Actually, none of them were set to the universal church or to individuals. It was to people who were going about this together. Let's go about this together. We are better together. We strengthen each other. We encourage each other. We uplift each other. We close in a quick, quick prayer. Thank you, God, that you speak to us through your word, that you 
are gentle even when you are specific in pointing out change that needs to happen. Thank you that you are always with us, that as we follow Jesus, you live within us, that you have the power that raised Jesus from the dead, and so there is nothing in our lives that is impossible for you. Please help us get anything out of the way of hearing your voice. Help us be in tune with you. Give us a grace to submit to you and to receive the things that only you give. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for loving each other. Please remember we want to um, offer to carpool or help each other out in getting down for Pentecost uh, Sunday this coming Sunday. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.